This is a Building Resilience Podcast, episode 136, The Whole Human Experience. Welcome to Building Resilience, a podcast where theory, practical strategies, and inspiring stories show you how to unlock your best life. I'm your host, Leah Davidson. As a certified life coach, speech-language pathologist, and nervous system resilience expert, it is my mission to teach you how to be more resilient to life's adversities. It's time to do more than just survive. It's time to thrive. Let's get started. Hello, my friends. How are you all doing today? I am here to talk with you about the whole human experience. When my oldest stepson, Gabe, was in grade eight, we attended his middle school graduation. And at the time, I was counting how many graduations we would be going to over the years, having this blended family of five kids. Now, luckily, two of our kids are in the same grade, and we call them our family twins. But still, as I was counting, it was a lot. And it's actually kind of strange now to think that so many have passed. Anyhow, back to Gabe's grade eight graduation, the principal spoke. And what he said really struck a chord with me, but not in a great way. He gave a speech about how all the kids had the right to be happy. They deserve to be happy and their goal should be happiness. I was actually a little irritated because I thought to myself, okay, what is he setting these kids up for? The expectation that life is meant to be all sunshine, that something is wrong with them if they don't feel happiness all the time. Is that feeling of happiness a realistic expectation or even a desirable expectation? Now, you've probably heard me talk on the podcast many times before about the 50-50 concept that life is 50-50. Now, not every single day is equally split, of course, but I think that in the end of your life, you will look back and it will be a big mix. And I know that some people do resist this idea. They don't like it because they want it to be more like 70-30 or 90-10, which is fine. It can be whatever percentage you want it to be. I just think that there is enough of a mix in life that you are going to have the ups and the downs that you could probably say, yeah, overall, it was 50-50. Now, I came across someone in one of my groups talking about becoming whole as a person. And it got me thinking that really the goal is the whole human experience, right? So if the 50-50 concept doesn't resonate with you, then maybe the whole human experience does. And I have a couple of examples from the past few weeks about experiencing all of life that I want to draw from. So the first one is kind of a simple one. One of my kids was in Europe. They were away for six weeks and they went to Rome. And when they were there, they went to see a soccer game with Roma. Now, my son has been a lifetime fan of Roma, is passionate about the team and soccer. So it was really a big dream for him to go. And they had an amazing time. He actually sent me a text afterwards, sent me a couple photos afterwards and was just like, it was one of the best days of my life, which I thought was so cute. Now, my son has always had the ability to appreciate everything and anything in life. It's a lot of fun to travel with him because he is filled with gratitude, always keen on adventure. He sees things with the eyes of awe and wonder. And he's been like this since he was a little boy. But the next day, his flight home 
got royally messed up. Now, they were supposed to be heading home on the Tuesday so they could get back to France for some work, but there were no flights available until the Friday. They were on the phone with the airline for like six hours and couldn't find a solution. Their Airbnb was full. They had nowhere to stay. And I spoke with him and he was so discouraged and frustrated and angry. What a change from the day before. It truly was the 50-50 of life. Now they ended up having to purchase a flight to Belgium where they stayed for 39 hours and they had an amazing time. Even though it threw them off, they had to adjust to things. Now, I know that this is not a big problem in the grand scheme of things, but I wanted to share it with you so you can see life is filled with ups and downs in a split second. And sometimes there will be ups and downs related to things like travel or canceled plans. And sometimes there may be more serious things like illness or injury or divorce or loss or death. And we've talked about this before that truly there's no universal scale of pain. Whatever you go through, is hard. So we can just leave the judgments out because they're not really helpful. Everyone will go through challenges in life and that is the full human experience, experiencing the highs and lows. But it's the contrast where so much of the beauty is found. It's the ups and downs being side by side in life. Now, the second example I have is a client that I'm working with, and I've been working with her for a while, and she has recently has a loved one going through some pretty significant challenges health-wise, and it's been going on about three years now. And in a recent session with me, she said that she wanted to work on becoming more resilient. So I first want you to think of what you would answer somebody. Would you tell them, okay, well, you should focus on the positive? Would you say, all right, never let that loved one see you cry and push down those tears? Would you tell them to be strong? Would you tell them to keep a solid routine? And I would say, yes, you could tell them all those things. But I would also tell them, focus on your sadness, the grief, the anger, Cry all the time if you need to. Let it all come up. Fall apart in a million little pieces. Break all the daily routines. Because I think resilience is all of it. We talk about resilience as being bending and not breaking. But I think it's also falling apart and getting back up again. It's both. It's all of it. If you remember way back when on the first episode of the podcast, I think it was literally episode one, I shared with you that Martin Seligman, who is one of the pioneers in positive psychology, he explained that when traumatic events occur, the human reaction is actually bell-shaped. On the left hand are those who really suffer, who may end up having PTSD or significant depression and possibly even suicide ideation or, of course, the worst case of suicide. But in the middle is where we actually find the majority of people. At first, they will react with symptoms of depression and anxiety and grief. But within a short period of time, often most of them are able to work their way back to somewhere close to where they were before. They are able to bounce back. And this is what we call resilience. On the other end of the spectrum are people who not only are able to experience their anxiety and depression, and even, in fact, sometimes more significant PTSD, they experience post-traumatic growth. They are actually better off in some areas of their life than they were before the adversity. And what's really interesting about post-traumatic growth 
is it's not something that people actively do. And if you want to learn more about post-traumatic growth, you can go back to episode 16 where I talked about it. So not everyone will experience post-traumatic growth and that's okay. It's not the goal about having dealing with adversity that you're going to have growth, but it merely shows that we are humans and have different reactions. And the assumption that when you experience tragedy, you are going to end up with PTSD is actually wrong. What I want to emphasize is that as humans, our tendency is to be resilient. Are there things that can help us become more resilient? Absolutely. This is what this whole podcast is about. But hopefully by now, the things that you can do, you can see they're not just a lot of positive, feel good, never let them see you cry kind of things. Resilience is about allowing the pain and the sorrow. It's about processing emotions, regulating nervous system, falling apart and standing again, only to fall again. It's leaning on others. It's being carried by others. It is carrying others. It's bitter and sweet, and it's bittersweet. It's everything and nothing all at the same time. And back on episode 72, where I talked all about connection, I shared something that Deb Dana, who is a psychotherapist, had said about relationships. She said, we build resilience in relationships when we feel connected, experience rupture, and find our way back to repair. It is only when rupture happens without repair that our longing for connection brings suffering. The cycle of reciprocity, rupture, and repair is the nature of a healthy relationship. It is the nature of resilience. That is the cycle in general of resilience. The emphasis is not on the rupture, it's on the repair. And it's kind of like that with meditation. When people struggle with meditation, I often remind them that the emphasis is not just on staying focused per se. It's about being able to refocus after our mind has wandered, which it often does. I do have a few resources for people to access. And one of them is my 30 second solution to burnout video series. And the link is in my show notes. But the other one is what I have called my guide to adversity. And you can access that just by going to my website, leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com, because it's a pop-up there. After you get the guide, I send out a few more emails just, just to share a little bit more about me. And in one email, I talk about Kinsukuroi. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that properly, but it's to repair with gold. It is a long-standing tradition in Japanese art. So when a ceramic bowl or a pot breaks, the pieces are put back together using a gold or silver lacquer, resulting in a stronger, more beautiful piece of art. Now, they do not try to hide the breaking. It's not seen as a weakness, a flaw, or an imperfection. It doesn't ruin the value of the art. Every crack is repaired with gold or silver and actually adds to the history of the piece. Now the process is slow, the lines do not disappear, but the lacquer is the beauty and the imperfection tells a story. It's a story of grit and strength and pain and beauty and love and forgiveness and hope, acceptance and resilience. Essentially, the most important masterpiece is you. The gold or silver lacquer is the story of you. Now, your story may have taken an unexpected and unplanned and an unwanted turn, and it may still have a lot of unknown turns to make, but you still do have many pages to write, even if it is one word at a time. And I shared that with my clients. 
that every step she takes, whether forward or backward or sideways, every time she pauses to stand still, every time she falls to her knees or flat on her face, this is her story of resilience. Just by continuing and embracing and allowing and feeling it all, no matter how scary, how sad, devastating, grief-stricken, angry, numbing, devastating, joyful, it is her resilience. It is her whole human experience. Now, thirdly, if you want to read an amazing example, then I have the book for you, Everything All at Once by Steph Catchedall. It is one of the most beautiful pieces of writing and art you will ever read from the depths of such a beautiful soul. And it was released in May and it quickly became a New York Times bestseller. I actually knew Steph and her family when she was growing up and I'm still in close contact with her incredible mother whom she writes about in the book. And after reading the book, I'm actually in even more awe of her mom. Now, Steph shares some of her story about losing her father and really what she went through. And she talks a bit about her mom, and you can only imagine what it was like for her mom, losing a husband, raising a family, trying to navigate the grief and trauma of her children. I'm sure it was a lot. And as you read Steph's words, you know that her mom was dealing with a lot of things. But when I think back on the timing of when her mom was going through all these things in the early years of losing her husband, my father was dying. And Steph's mom, Susan, was a huge support to our family. I remember her coming to the palliative center where my dad was. She's always been an incredible support to my sister, who I have shared previously has special needs. So here she was dealing with her own life, being turned upside down and sideways, and she was supporting my family. And I'm truly grateful to her. But I bring up Steph's book because the title sums it up everything all at once. And I think she does an incredible job at describing the whole human experience. So the book is her memoir. It's her raw and honest story of losing her father to lung cancer at the age of 14. And then the diagnosis of her husband, Tommy Riffs, a few years ago. Now, if you are a runner or have iFit, you might have heard of him because he's pretty famous in that realm. But he is even more famous in the miraculous recovery he has made because, spoiler alert, she weaves the two stories in and out, the grief and horror and tragedy of losing her father and then the fear and pain and beauty of finding courage to have hope in fighting to keep her husband alive. And I just want to share with you an excerpt from her book to give you a taste of what I mean. I had spent a lifetime cursing my rage. I buried myself in the search for better, the search for peace, the search for perfect, the search for power. I traveled the world hoping to find these things on a beach or in a pill or in a man, in my children's embrace, in a crowded club with a bottle in my hands or on my knees in prayer, desperate for forgiveness. As a mother, I had come to believe that my quest for strength had been a series of dead-end mistakes. I was racked with shame, thinking that my recklessness had led me down a path of self-destruction. But the truth was that every friendship, every lover, every rage-fueled tear, every new home, every runaway had been a roadmap. Every questionable decision I had made had forged the path towards my own power. Even my father's death had been a stepping stone to myself. My response to grief had not been breaking me. It was building me. Pain had laid the framework for empathy. Recklessness was a foundation to wisdom. 
Breaking was a joyst of understanding that we rarely grow without first falling apart. My brokenness was holding me together, a bridge through the gray I was learning to accept in all of its irreconciliation. My anger was the blueprint of a broken soul waiting to love herself in pieces all at once. My strength needed to be built before it could be found. And here I was finding it exactly when I needed it. Isn't that so powerful? I tell you, run and buy this book. It is such a beautiful example of the whole human experience. So these are just some examples that I've stumbled upon recently. By no means do I want to knock happiness or even the pursuit of happiness, but I do want to encourage you to give equal airtime for the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. There has been a lot of research into the benefits of reframing things. And I often share with my clients several lenses that they can use. I think of it like picking up different glasses with different tints, and then you can see the whole world differently. So lenses can help us when we are trying to reframe situations. A couple of examples of lenses, one is the resilience lens, where you want to work on your thoughts about yourself, your capacity, your resilience. What do you tell yourself about your ability to handle things? Do you tell yourself that you can do hard things, that you are resilient? Choosing to believe that you are more resilient than you actually think you are. Now, burnout is often a result of feeling hopeless and helpless. We actually want to change that story. We want to gain resilience by telling ourselves that we have more resilience. Another lens that you can try out is the hero lens, and it can be a pretty powerful lens. We often tell a story about how we're a victim, and in many cases, we may have been the victim. However, whenever we are a victim, we are always disempowered. We can actually tell the same story through the lens of being a hero. This happened to me and then, and choose to see your strength and resilience and frame things in that way. If you have a hard time reframing things from the past, you can actually just start with finding a time that you have been resilient. Use that as evidence for your brain to see how resilient and the hero that you are. The third lens, which I think is a powerful lens, is a choice lens. There are no demands in this world, only choices. My mentor, Dr. Eric Gentry, he says, children have demands, adults have choices. Because truly, there are never any demands on you. We perceive that the cause of our stress is external, that it's due to the demands that are placed on us. But one of the biggest mindset shifts we can make from everything is a demand to everything is a choice. There are things to be done, but everything we do is a choice. We need to drop the have to, the should do, and switch it to the get to and the could do. You have the final say on whether you're going to do things or not. Now, people will push back and say, well, there's consequences if I don't do this or don't do that. And that might be true. And you may have to do the analysis. What are the outcomes if I do this versus that? This is where we do have to learn to prioritize, but we can do it from a place of choice. We empower ourselves with choice rather than turning ourselves into victims of the environment because that never feels good. We can change our language, shift your mind. Everything you do is a choice. The fourth lens that I offer to you is a gratitude lens. And this is another one that can be powerful, but with a word of caution, 
Sometimes we're not ready for shifts in our lenses, and that's okay. Sometimes if you're in the midst of a big trial or you're struggling in that team hyperactivated state, you may not want to put on a lens of gratitude to see how this is happening for you and not to you, and that's okay. Just don't put that lens on. You might want to try putting the self-compassion lens on instead. That self-compassion lens that allows you to remember that you are human. You are not alone. And what you are going through is hard and you're doing a great job at going through it. We can, though, look for lessons We can look for gratitude. Gratitude is a great lens to use when you are ready for it. We can, of course, even develop a growth mindset or a more optimistic mindset. That can come in due time. These are just options that we can have down the road. Another lens we can use is positive reappraisal. And the formal definition is that it's an adaptive process by which stressful events are reconstrued as benign, valuable, or beneficial. Because research has demonstrated the ability to find benefit from adversity is associated with improved health comes. So it's similar to changing the lens. It's looking for deeper meaning and value in a situation. Now, it does not mean you deny that things are difficult. You can acknowledge things are difficult, but then you can recognize that difficulty is worth it and it can be an opportunity. Optimism has been associated with all sorts of positive outcomes, and this is a form of optimism where you're genuinely seeking the good because you genuinely believe there is good. And research really has shown that optimistic people, they'll live 10 plus years longer than pessimistic people. So it's something to consider trying to shift your lens like that. But again, be careful with the timing of it. Sometimes shifting a lens to something like this may be too much or be careful offering it to somebody when they are in the midst of a trial. We need to start always with that self-compassion. Simon Sinek, he draws a great distinction between toxic positivity and eternal optimism. Toxic positivity is ignoring the reality, blindly believing everything is good when it's not, looking at the bright side. But an optimist believes the future is bright, but you can be realistic about the darkness you are in. Right now, this is hard, but there's light ahead. The next lens I'll offer to you is the gap and the gain lens. And this is another powerful lens. I did podcast episode about it on episode 94. So you can go back and listen to that in greater depth. But according to Dan Sullivan, who is the creator of the gap and the gain concept, He says the future growth and progress are now based in your understanding about the difference between the two ways in which you can measure yourself against an ideal, which puts you in what is called the gap or against your starting point, which puts you in the gain to appreciate all that you've accomplished. Basically, when you live in the gap, you're always comparing yourself to what you want to be, where you think you should be. And when you do this, you're never satisfied. And we use this ideal self as a way of deciding on our future to illuminate the path, to have a goal, but we don't want to focus on it to measure how far we should be or if we're behind. 
When you live in the gain, you're always measuring yourself backward against where you were before. You're measuring your progress. You're not comparing yourself to something external or someone else or your ideals. You're valuing all your experiences. Reminding yourself to be in the gain can shift everything. You focus on what you've done and you can transform every experience into the gap or gain framework. Living in the gap means you're constantly living in a state of stress, but being in the gain Being in that zone of resilience, of restoration, of healing and empowerment. When you live in the gain, you perceive everything in your life, even challenging experiences can eventually be seen as a gain. You see it differently. Now, the last lens is just a super simple question you can ask yourself. Is this helpful? Many, many times what we see in our lens may be accurate reflection of reality, but sometimes I just offer to my clients, is it helpful to view things through that lens? Often it's not. Often it's harmful. So sometimes you want to stop and ask yourself, is this helpful? Now, all of these lenses you can't force on yourself and you can't force on others. People need different things at different times. Part of that whole human experience is sometimes shifting lenses, but other times it can be just sitting with whatever lens you have on. Because I do think we always have a lens. There's no such thing as an unlens view. Our nervous system is one of our first lenses, and that starts to form in utero. So essentially, you're born with a lens. But if you recall, your nervous system is not meant to be a stable line. A healthy nervous system is one that can fluctuate, respond appropriately to what it's confronted with. A healthy nervous system goes up and down. It peaks with stress, and then it regulates again. It shifts. A healthy nervous system allows you to access all the emotions on the entire spectrum. And a healthy nervous system allows and encourages the whole human experience. So chasing happiness, feeling good all the time, looking at the bright side, feeling like something is wrong when you're feeling low or anxious or depressed, trying to stay strong, we don't have to go there. It is all okay. The full experience. We are meant to have the whole human experience. We are meant to have joy and sadness, pain and sorrow, loss and triumph, light and dark, easy and hard. Embrace it all, all the experiences. If you want to seek something, seek fulfillment and repair and building your capacity. Seek compassion, seek wholeness. And when it really comes down to it, Seek love because love encompasses it all. The whole human experience immersed in love. I hope you found that useful. Have a great day and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about managing stress, building resilience, and leading a more purposeful life, then make sure we're connected on Instagram and Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter at www.leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. Looking forward to connecting.